0: Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, national columnist for NBC Sports, and I have uh, with me, as always, Michael Shore, executive uh, producer for uh, Parks and Recreation in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Michael,
1: welcome back. Thank you. Very exciting to uh, be doing what I think everybody agrees is the most important thing on the Internet. Oh yeah, well, I mean that's that's a given. That's a universal yeah. feeling, right? I think everybody feels
0: like the internet should not even exist without this, yeah. which is, you know, I think right. And uh, we haven't done this in a little while. I was in uh, in Russia at the Olympics, and you were uh, busy winning awards and things. So it's <laughs> so it's so it's great to to get back together, and we're getting back together right as baseball season is about to kick off, and so we are. Uh, Uh, going to do our podcast is going to be a little bit about baseball. Then we'll do our draft in a little bit. Um, But I think that this year we're going to do our baseball thing a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit more, you know, a little quicker. We're not going to go through every little thing like we usually do. And I think the reason is we've been spoiling it for people because we've been telling them exactly what's going to happen before, before it all starts. It's like a spoiler.
1: Yeah. It's like where our predictions are too accurate. And so we want to allow People the the kind of mystery of watching the season unfold. Yeah,
0: I, I can't tell you how many complaints I've gotten from yep. people that have said, you know, this is ridiculous. I uh, Why even watch? Why yep. even watch? You guys are so dead on.
1: We're doing the baseball equivalent of just telling everybody that Bruce Willis is dead in the sixth <laughs> sense. It's like, what's the, after you hear the, the baseball preview, it's like, why bother watching six months of baseball?
0: Right, he is Kaiser Sose. We are telling people that right <laughs> off the start. Um... So we'll just do a kind of a a quick sort of uh, around the horn kind of feel about baseball. And, and I'll start with this. What excites you about baseball coming into this year? Obviously other than, other than your Red Sox.
1: I feel like there's a lot of good stories this year. And I don't know whether it's just the general excitement that baseball's back, but I'm just super excited. Like I think the Dodgers is a huge story. The Pocota projections for the Dodgers were like that. They're going to be 10 games better than the next best team in baseball. Like, I think Pakota had them at 98 wins. Yeah. And on paper, that certainly looks to be true, right? They have so many great players, and obviously that's projecting, like, Puig to continue to ascend and not regress at all, and it's, you know, it's absent injuries and all that sort of stuff, but they, it is theoretically possible that they're like a crazy super team, <laughs> that they just, like blow everybody out of the water I think that's good. that's a really exciting idea that there's like a super team in baseball
0: yeah I mean obviously we go in a lot of times and, and these super teams don't pan out you know we talk about them that Phillies team was supposed to be a super team uh the Rangers uh had this super team thing going but Pecota is pretty famously conservative about these kinds of predictions I mean you talk about Puig and and, and him not regressing I mean I, I don't I don't think the odds are all that great he is going to regress. I yep. mean, it's, you know, I think he's going to have a really good second year, whether it's quite as good as he was. I mean, you don't know. But he's going to – he's a pretty great player. That pitching staff's incredible. That – the the offense, the middle of that lineup is incredible. They should really dominate. I mean, you look at that, at that uh, division, you look at the National League kind of in general – they're pretty clearly the best team in the in the league aren't they
1: yeah i think they are and you know the the other thing about super teams is like the recent failures of super teams like the eagles and the and the lakers it's like the lakers it's like well it was a super team except that steve nash was 50 years old <laughs> and kobe was 50 years old and uh and you know dwight howard hated his coach and stuff so like they the there's like a there's a way in which sometimes super teams seem like super teams because the players are all these huge stars and the reason that they're known huge stars is because they're old and past their prime but Clayton Kershaw is just right in the sweet spot the most important player on that team and you know and and so is young and Hanley Ramirez is still pretty young and all those guys like Adrian Gonzalez is still pretty young like they it's a super team of guys who were seemingly mostly in their prime so like I think they're like I think there's a chance, you know, the Cardinals a few years ago won like 105 games or something. Right, right. There's a sort of out, uh, like a, a fringe chance that this is like a 105 win team or a 106 win team or something crazy, and there hasn't really been a team like that that felt like a dominant, you know, front runner, wire to wire kind of front runner in a long time, and it's kind of fun to imagine that that is the case.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I like I said, I, I think you're right. I. I have to say that the team that in the national league that has me kind of excited and thinking that this could be a great year for them is Washington. Yeah. I just kind of feel like, yeah, I mean, you, you last year, they felt not super team, not, not quite like this Dodgers thing, but they felt like there's not a lot of weaknesses on that team. You have, you have the, if you were looking and thinking, okay, if if Strasburg develops into Justin Verlander or somebody like that, as I think everybody thought he would, um, that they had a chance to be an absolute 100, 105 win team. And it all fell apart. But even if falling apart, they, they had a pretty good second half and, and ended up being in pretty decent shape at the end of the year. Not quite in playoff contention, but, but just uh, on the brink. And that's with everything going wrong. I, I think at the end of the day, they might be. I, I think the Dodgers are, are the team going in as the best team. But that Washington team might be the team that ends up going to the
1: World Series. I agree. And I think that, you know, last year, pretty much everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Yeah. And there's also this sense of, like, Bryce Harper didn't quite take the leap that I think maybe people thought he was going to take. And now this year, he might again. Like, he's another year older. He's still, like, 17. (laughs) He's still, like, so young. And so, yeah, I think if a few things go right, or even if just, like, not as many things go wrong, I think they especially with all the injuries the Braves have now, you know, the Braves are, are, you know, look to be like a, a leading contender. And now before the season even starts, they've got all these problems. So, you know, at least in that division, you know, Pocota had the Nats winning the division by three games and every of uh, the Braves that were like an 85 win team. And I think that was before a lot of these injuries and everybody else in that division, they had under 500. So, you know, if they, if the Nats can stay relatively healthy, like absolutely, they should also, I mean, this, this, feels like a year where, like, the good teams got better and the bad teams kind of got worse to me, or the mediocre teams got worse. Like, I I think the Pirates are going to regress. I don't see the – I don't know if the Reds are going to contend again. Like, it feels like, to me, that there's the the kind of – the rich got richer a little bit, at least in terms of talent. And, you know, I I feel like the Nats are going to win the East pretty easily.
0: I think so. I think the Braves did regress. I I think the Reds regressed a lot. I mean, that, to me, is the team – that I look at and think you know what that team is going to struggle this year and maybe I'm wrong I kind of hope and maybe it's cuz I hope it I uh, think the pirates are going to kind of still contend I, I you There's- know the cart the cardinals are so the cardinals are just so well built as a team you know you look at them and 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 they just do everything right and they've always got good young players coming and and when this wave of good young players comes through then the next wave of good young players come through, and they're just—they're the team that if I was like—if I was just allowed, which we're not—but if I was allowed to pick a team to be a fan of, like if I was like eight years old and and I was told you could pick any team you want, which I guess technically you should be allowed to do that, but yeah. but but you're not really. Um, I pick the Cardinals because they're going to be good every single year forever. Yeah, I, I just think they're they. They do it right. They know what they're doing. Uh, they, you know, they're, they've got great management, and they just they just keep building and building and building. So they'll always be contenders, and they'll always be, I think, the best probably in that division for quite some time. But I don't think they're quite in that same class with the Dodgers and, and Washington. And and then I think the rest are all the Giants could contend. I mean, they've got some offense for the first time in years, it feels like, and. Uh, the Pirates, I still think, could kind of hold out, um, and then everybody else just doesn't feel all that exciting to me. I mean, I, I mean, some of these teams, I mean, the Phillies look just dreadful, and and, yeah. and the Mets look like the Mets, and I mean, it just it feels like it's it's it is limited, I think, in the National League more than it is in the American League.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I I had this thought the other day. I looked at the NBA standings and saw that San Antonio somehow has the best record in the in <laughs> always. The- yeah, and I was like, what if the entire management structure of the Spurs switched places with the management structure of the St. Louis Cardinals? <laughs> I bet they, they would both still win their, their conferences and divisions every somehow. I, I feel like they're the same. It feels like the same group of people is running those two organizations, where it's like yeah. they, they just put these teams together with guys that aren't flashy and famous and known quantities to anyone outside the team's fan bases. And they just every year, like a machine, they just grind on and they win like effortlessly. They get to the playoffs. Like they don't always win the world series or the, or the, you know, the Spurs were a, were a a Ray Allen three desperation three from probably winning the, the, uh, the NBA title, you know, it, but it's like, they're just always, they're always close. They're always like right there, despite, you know, you know the leading scorer on the Spurs is, is Parker and he averages like 17 and a half points a game. It's like how are they doing this? They're the best team in the NBA. How are they doing this? And the same is true of the Cardinals. It's like they're just sort of the best. They're the best team in the NL every year or the second best. And they and you look at it and you look at the team on paper and you don't understand how it's happening.
0: No. I and this has been I think their story for 10 years. I mean, it really has been and and, and it's funny you should say that about the Spurs because if you are not paying attention, like really close attention to the NBA, and and it's easy to even if you're paying close attention to your own team, you're not paying that close attention to to the Western Conference or whatever. There's always that moment of shock, whether it comes in December or January or February, where you look at the standings, go, "Oh my God, the Spurs are good again!" Yeah. Like how how is that possible? Yeah. That they're still good, and then you think in your mind, like, "Well, they you know still have David Robinson." I mean, you know, it's like it's <laughs> it's been. And, you know, well, for them, it started in 96, right? Is this, 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 that when they drafted uh, Duncan, uh, yeah. Duncan yeah, Duncan, in 96? So we're talking closing in on, you know, 15, 20 years. They're just always, always, always good. And I think the Cardinals are like that. They're, they're just run so well. So they'll always be there. Yeah. So I, it, it's like if you're making a prediction, you can't go wrong if you say the Cardinals are going to win the World Series because they'll always be around it. Yeah. Um, but again, I do think... I, I just have this feeling about Washington this year. Hmm. All right. There you go. All right. So switching over, what are you excited about in the American League?
1: Well, um, it's not as juicy to me as the National League. The American League, you know, there's a couple – I feel like the Tigers are going to just blow everybody out in the Central. Ooh. I, yeah, I do. <laughs> I think that – like I, I want to see if the A's can sort of sustain the the run that they're on, which I think they probably can. But like there was some like there was this kind of exciting moment where like, oh, the Mariners signed Robinson Cano. That's cool. The Mariners finally have a hitter. That's great. And then they just kind of that was it. <laughs> we're like, we'll get Cano and nothing. That's our plan. And you know, so it's like that wasn't quite like they they seemed like they were gonna really make a concerted effort to contend, but I don't think that's gonna happen. And then there's, you know, obviously the biggest stories are always like, you know, the Yankees spent another half billion dollars in the offseason. And but it's all sort of question marks. It's like, is Tanaka going to be good? Who knows? Maybe yes, maybe no. Is Pineda going to come back? He looks sharp. He looks sharp in spring training. So it's like, well, there's a chance that the Yankees are a 94 win team, and they, you know, that they everything works out in the, the, for them the way it usually does. <laughs> but there's also a chance that they're kind of like mediocre, and Mark Teixeira isn't any good now that he's 33 or 34, or whatever he is, and he's coming off injuries and. You know Jeter's retiring. I'm. I'm really the worst thing about this season is that I've got to gear up for the 162 game Derek Jeter farewell tour. After after like barely making it through the Rivera tour, I kept I kept feeling like every time, every time I saw on TV that another team was giving Mariano Rivera some kind of gift to celebrate his career, I my feeling was like, shh, stop, stop making a big deal out of it. Like you he, he might change his mind. Don't make him too happy. Just let him go away. Uh, but I, th- I think uh, it's different with Jeter though, because
0: I think with Jeter you wouldn't mind him coming back. That's I think.
1: Yes, that's true. I, it, yeah, the longer he plays shortstop for that team, the better the <laughs> Red Sox are. So, but like, I, I don't know. I don't find the storylines quite as interesting in the American League as in the National League.
0: I, I kind of disagree with you a little bit. I, I think um, first of all, I think the Rangers are a very very interesting story. I mean, they're they're kind of they're a little bit dysfunctional, which adds a little fun to it. You know, the sure. whole Nolan Ryan thing. Um, they they added their lineup is insane. I mean, they added Fielder and they added uh, Shinsu Chu and and you know their their lineup is pretty well insane and and in that park it's a hot summer they could score 900 runs, a thousand runs. I mean, it's just it's it's nuts what they could conceivably do on offense. And I don't know, there's there's something fun about that. The A's are fun, I think. And I think that that to me the Yankees um, while they're still the Yankees and they're still tiresome and the Jeter love fest will get old pretty quickly. That's a different Yankees team than we've ever seen. Or we've, you know, we've certainly have seen the last 20 years. I mean, there's Jeter. First of all, we're, you said 162 games. That ain't happening. I mean, it's like, you know, it might be like 104 game Derek Jeter <laughs> celebration. I mean, he's, he's old and he's beat up and his body's beat up and, and he's not going to last. There's no Arod. Rod. There's no Rivera. Uh, there's no Pettit. I mean, there's, it's like a little bit different. It's there's something at least a little bit different about them. Um, And maybe, maybe that makes it a little bit more interesting. I think the Rays are still interesting. I think that Red Sox team, there's no reason to believe that that Red Sox team is going to go backward. I, I, I don't think that it's not like things went that well for them last year. I mean, they kind of, it wasn't like a, one of those seasons where everything just fell into place. I think that's that's a very, very good team. Uh, to me, still the best team in the in the in the uh, American League. And then the, the story that I cannot believe you are not referring to is this will be the year the Kansas City Royals make the playoffs. So that is incredibly exciting for
1: everybody. Interesting. I hope you're right. <laughs> I don't think you are. I hope I hope you're right, but there there's enough competition in the AL to to make that a very difficult path between the Red Sox. The Rays, the Tigers, the A's, the Rangers—like you're looking at, like you're looking at squeaking into the to the final wild card spot, which is totally possible. I don't think it's not possible, but you know that's also like if the Angels get a few breaks, they could they could make some noise. Like they've got, you know, if their hitters even come close to what to doing what they're supposed to be doing. I don't know. I it's I hope you're right because it would be great. We talked about this last year about how. Like come on, come on, guys, get there, get there, and and I hope you're right, but I don't, I don't know. The was not um, was not kind to the Royals uh, this year. They they Wait. have them under 500, I think. So
0: which is terrible because Bill Pocota played for the Royals. I mean, you would think <laughs> there'd be at least something in that formula that would shift. Oh, so then, you're saying you're saying the Royals will not win the American League Central by 20 games? Like I, I have them
1: down. I'm saying that's probably the case. Yes. <laughs>
0: they really could go backward. I think that's the scariest thing for a Royals fan for Pirates fans, although Pirates at least got into the into the postseason with with their with their big run. Um that's the the scariest part of baseball. That I think is is a little bit different. I mean, obviously football has, you know, you can you can peak and then completely fall off. That happens in football. Doesn't really happen in the NBA. If you're good, you're good. If you're not, you're not. Hockey, same thing. Generally speaking, you're good, you're good. You're not, you're not. In baseball, you know, the Royals had had their best season in 25 years last year. And the feeling is they're young, which they are. Their feeling is that guys are going to get better, which they should. And then you look at them and you know what? They might be 15 games worse this year. You just, that's how baseball goes. And a bad injury, a, you know, somebody does not develop the right way. Uh, they don't have Irvin Santana. They don't replace him. Uh, the bullpen isn't as like incredible as it was last year they didn't give up anything they led the league in era last year that's the craziest thing about baseball to me is you know and that's why the that that really reaffirms what we were just saying about the Cardinals to be consistently good in the in in baseball is so hard it's just so difficult to do
1: yeah yeah it really is and that's why you're like you said the teams that are that can do it every year without just you know, it seems like the teams like the Dodgers and Yankees and Red Sox to some extent they can always buy their way out of problems but yeah. if you're the Pirates or the Royals or the A's you know to be consi- or the, even the Braves to some extent like to be consistently good in contention in September every year is really hard and it's the result of a lot of work at a lot of different levels you know the most exciting thing about the Red Sox to me this year is that they have young guys who are yeah. homegrown guys who who could make a real impact you know they're starting essentially rookies at shortstop and center field which is a pretty crazy thing to say about a world series defending team that they're going to start two rookies at very, very key positions but they are and that's exciting like that makes the team that makes the team feel sustainable in a way that you know that sometimes like the Yankees you know, they just went out and bought a bunch of guys and they can do that. You can do that. But like, that's not the recipe for success. This is a, this point has been made a million times about that team, but their endless streak of, you know, of playoff uh, contending teams was built on four guys who were homegrown at key positions, a starting pitcher, a closer, a shortstop and a catcher. And they, you know, and to some extent a center fielder with Bernie Williams. So like they, they just haven't gotten back to that place, and that's why it's such a it's such a question mark now for the Yankees, as opposed to these other teams like the Cardinals, the Red Sox, they that are like growing their own players, and they have they save money by having these really well developed cheap talent at at key positions. So, you know that that aspect of it is exciting, but I I still feel like the National League is more interesting than the American League this year.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe. All right, so now we make our picks. We're not going to pick everything. Just our World Series teams
1: and our World Series champ. All right, I'm I'm going uh, I'm going Tigers Dodgers. Tigers Dodgers. Tigers Dodgers. Yeah. We don't want to see that Tigers team
0: in the World Series again. It's just <laughs> just watch their pitchers make a bunch of errors. We
1: don't want that. But they I like. It would be a good series. Think about it. It would be a very good series. It would have great like. Imagine Kershaw and Verlander in game one or game seven. That's, that would be fantastic. And those two lineups, you know, they score, they, they do everything well. They do, or at least they do most things well. And that's kind of what I want to see in a world series. is like the two, two great teams who are, who are great throughout their, you know, 25 man rosters. Yeah.
0: Well, I, it's, I can certainly see it. I can certainly see that. I, I am going with, with Washington and the Red Sox, um, I kind of think that, that the Red Sox and Rangers are going to end up playing in the, uh, in the ALCS. I don't, I don't know why I have that much faith in that Rangers team since they've completely fallen down. But I just do. I just kind of feel like, uh, you know, the heat isn't on them right now. The arrow isn't just pointing their direction. And that lineup is just going to crush. So yeah. they should win a lot of games at home um i'm gonna go with that red Sox and and uh and washington in the world series which i would be a lot more excited about i must admit than dodgers tigers not okay. even even joking aside it would just be a lot of fun to see uh i, I just feel like that tigers team we, we've seen enough of them
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're over the tigers what you're saying. <laughs> i'm over them i'm over that tigers team. all right who do you, so who do you have winning
0: uh, I have Washington actually winning the World Series, and, and you being very upset. And and not only do I have him winning the World Series, but I don't want to give this away to people, but I will. Um, it's going to be very controversial.
1: <laughs> Why did you say that?
0: <laughs> it just is. I'm just saying it's going to be a huge controversy, and it will involve replay. I'm, I'm I don't want to give away any more because everybody is uh, you know is listening wants to wants to enjoy the season, but it will be very controversial and will uh, and will involve. Replay, which I gotta say, I'm I'm very interested to see how that works. But I'm really predicting that we will be having a, a podcast in July, really complaining about
1: replay. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I hope no, I'm. No, that's that's pretty likely. That's on yeah. a very likely scenario. Uh, mostly, okay. I think what we'll be complaining about is how can this be reviewed and not this or something. That'd exactly. Be, yeah. Exactly. All right. Who is and, and who are you picking to win? I'll take the Dodgers to win the World Series.
0: All right, so so you've got and this and people do not think about this because the Dodgers, of course, have this storied history. The Dodgers have not won the World Series since 1988. Yeah, I mean that's that's a very very long time. I'll tell you, you the,
1: the biggest, the number one prediction that I will make though that, okay. that that I feel the most confident about is that Mike Trout wins the MVP. <laughs> 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 if he wins. He'll win what should be his third straight MVP, but will actually be his first.
0: I think. I think Mike Trout wins the Triple Crown, still loses the MVP. Oh, I like that. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be?
1: I don't think that could happen. Actually, Triple Crown, Silver (laughs) Slugger, and the Gold Glove, and they give it to a pitcher, and the Roberto Clemente Humanitarian Award, (laughs) and a Nobel Peace Prize, and a MacArthur Genius Grant, and he does not win the MVP.
0: Does not win the MVP. They give it to uh, you know um, Justin Verlander or something.
1: They give it to Derek Holland.
0: That would be great. If you it to Al Holland, that would be even better. Get, as the Royals beat the Tigers by 20 games in the American League Central. All right. So everybody now knows what's going to happen in baseball. So it's time for our draft, and and uh, we actually um, gave away this draft last time. We we did the draft and we told people we were going to do this draft. Is, right. is, is, is that right? Yeah. So I think pretty pretty important draft this time. We are uh, drafting numbers. Yeah. That is that is it. I don't. There's no. No further explanation needed, and uh, I believe I have the first pick. I think uh, you're right. Yeah, I think I'm right. I think I have the first pick. So, so we're drafting numbers with the first pick. I am going to draft number one. Obviously, uh, I don't. I mean, to me, that was a slam dunk kind of no brainer. Uh, at, at number one, you take number one. Sure. Uh Number one. Uh, I, I, you know, to me, there's there's several things. Obviously, it's the only number that has its own finger, which is huge. <laughs> Um, which I'm very, you know, I like, uh, I looked this up. It is the only number that is a noun adjective and pronoun, very kind of, uh, spacey there. Um, but here's the thing I like about number one more than, than anything is, um, other than the fact that, you know, it starts everything and all that. The thing I love about number one is if a movie is number one, it's so strong. Number one is so strong. You don't even have to mention it. So if you're talking about Rocky 1, it's not Rocky 1, it's Rocky. That's okay. it. One the one is just understood. That that's a powerful number to me.
1: Well, you should tell that to my 6-year-old son who still refers to Star Wars the original, uh, technically episode 4 as <laughs> Star Wars 1. <laughs> now, good quest, good point there to ask that question. What
0: is the correct way to refer to Star Wars the original? Star Wars episode 4 A New Hope.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: I don't. I don't think so because that is granting that the first three happened.
1: Well, it doesn't matter because at the time that Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope came out, it, there was no first three. Like that is the official. That's the title of the movie. Star and,
0: Wars Episode
1: Four: A New Hope. Yes, that's the correct way to refer to it. And but the others are not Star Wars. Five. Uh, no, Return. then it's just it's Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Okay,
0: and then what about the first three? The, those the fake ones. I don't know.
1: what You're talking about. <laughs> I'm not familiar with any other movies in the, in the series.
0: <laughs> I will hear people refer to it as Godfather One which really it's not Godfather one. Yeah the Godfather part one it's not it's not it's the Godfather.
1: It's the Godfather yeah it's no I, I think that's a, that's a good point. It's a good pick. It's the obvious it's the obvious pick. Um, okay. I didn't well. even put it on my board because I knew you were gonna do it. At, at point. Um, it was a clear one. Okay for, for my first pick I'm gonna go you one better and take the number zero. Wow. Is
0: zero a number?
1: Yeah, it is. And that's part of the reason that I took it, because (laughs) the history of the number zero is very fascinating. I encourage everybody to to read about the history of the number zero, because for a long time in ancient cultures, if if you if they were trying to refer to a number less than one or the absence of something, they just would write a line or sometimes they wrote a they wrote a circle just to indicate just to hold the sort of tens place in the column of numbers or whatever. But math and science didn't really take off until zero was conceived of as a number. It was, like the, it was like, oh, wait a second, it's a number. And that is what allowed for every branch of mathematics and science, every set theory and functions and algebra and calculus and physics and chemistry. Everything kind of like emerged after they, the, the ancient Indians or Persians or whoever you think actually invented it, <laughs> uh, conceived of zero as a number. And then, which is really cool, and the history of how it was sort of viewed and conceived is fascinating. But also, I like it because it's sort of the it means it's the it's like the thing that it's the end of something. Like in sports, it's the end of the game, yeah. Is zero, and like when the you know in the last few seconds of like a basketball game when the clock is ticking down, and is it zero or is it one tenth <laughs> of a second? You know, like it's it's sort of like the it's the definitive kind of conclusion of every except for baseball or, or cricket or things that are untimed. It's the it's sort of the conclusion of every contest and every, every, everything. So I think that the number zero as a concept and as an actual number is very uh, fascinating to me. Yeah.
0: I like, I like
1: the finality of zero.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a really, that's a really strong point. And of course, zero very important in baseball. I mean, even though it's obviously it's not timed. I mean, you, you've got the, you know, the, the zeros across the, across the line sure. and, and, you know, there's probably more zeros in baseball than, than anything else. It, it, I did think about zero. I mean, first of all, I think it's a it's an excellent pick, and I, I credit you for it. Um, <laughs> what do you think about double zero as a uniform number and that sort of thing?
1: I like it only as a uniform number. I love. I mean, Parrish, Robert Parrish was maybe my favorite player on those Celtics teams in the 80s. Really? Yeah, I loved, I loved Robert Parrish. And I love that, that he wore double zero. I just thought that was cool. Um, he, I it yeah, was th- cool. I think more people should wear double zero. I think it's yeah. a really cool uniform number. I think you got to be able to pull it off,
0: though, right? I mean, it was like he, he had it, and then uh, didn't the uh, receiver, Kenny Burroughs, I think, had it maybe That's for sweet. a while, unless I'm you know. But I, but I want to get back to one other thing. Robert Parrish was your favorite player on that Celtics team?
1: Yeah, well, he, I mean, Larry Bird was my favorite player, but Parrish always seemed like the guy on the team who didn't get a lot of, like uh, he was very quiet, you know, he was very sort of like reserved and he didn't get a lot of credit, but I, I always felt like in a weird way, he was the guy that put those teams over the top. Like, you know, bird was great and McHale was great and they had good guards. DJ was great. And Danny Ainge could hit a three or whatever. But to me, parish was kind of like the unsung hero who just very quietly went about his, he was like Tim Duncan before Tim Duncan existed. You know, he just like he played like a really strong center position and he seemed to just always have 18 points and 12 rebounds. And and uh, I always I and I, also he was like 100 feet tall and he wore double zero. He was just cool.
0: <laughs> I liked him. It was cool. I, I, I'm i glad for that explanation. I'm not going to get away with that. That Tim Duncan comparison. <laughs> I mean, that's that's taking it way too far. He wasn't but uh,
1: as good as Tim Duncan, obviously, but he was that kind of uh, what? Yeah, I he, was he, he was quiet. He was. I, I, I know what he you're kind of, saying. He just went about his business, which I kind of admired. And he, and he was called the Chief. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's a good nickname. That's the it best is, nickname on that team. Was there another nickname on that team? Well, I guess you count DJ or DJ. Yeah, that's okay. No. Okay, well that's that's a
0: that's an excellent pick. And, okay, so with my second pick, I'm going to go with the number seven. Um... I, again, I don't think I need to go into too much explanation for number seven. Lucky number, uh, days of the week, colors of the rainbow, seven uh, uh, brides, seven brothers, seven signs, double uh, o seven. Clearly, the coolest thing. You know, that's mixing both of our numbers. By the way, little double o seven. Very, very cool. Um, and of course, it's the Mac. It's it's Mickey Mantle, and uh, who you know was incredibly cool and probably. In, in his own way, probably more connected to a number than than maybe anybody else in baseball history. It just, I mean, probably in part because because George wanted to name his kid Seven on Seinfeld and all that. But but Seven, uh, it just just an just an all around strong number in, in in every way.
1: Yeah, it is. I don't know why I was as I was thinking about this. I was thinking about why I, I have a little preview. Like the number ten is on my board. Okay. And it seems odd that more great athletes wore like number seven and, and more, you know, number 12 and all (laughs) the numbers around 10. Like what? No, 10 is not a big uniform number. And I don't, I don't know why. It seems like it should be, but it's not really. Like there were some, like Fran Tarkenton wore 10. And there's a lot of soccer players who, for obvious reasons, wear 10 who were famous you know, Pele wore 10 and Maradona wore 10 and stuff, but right. American sports for some reason, like 7 and 9 and even 11 and 12 all feel like they're more kind of used uh, as uniform numbers than 10. Am I crazy? No, I think that's right. In fact, 19 probably in some ways
0: is a more famous. which, and 19 is a terrible number. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like you know, I don't, that's a very, very good point. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know, now why, why do you think 7 uh, is just cool?
1: I, I mean, maybe, I maybe think it's because t- it's, it's it's like it's a self fulfilling prophecy. It's like lucky number seven, yeah. And it just it kind of looks cool. It's sort of like a lightning bolt looking number, yeah. You know? Like it just kind of looks cool. But I just it's odd to me that ten isn't a more famous uniform number in American sports.
0: But but it's a really good point because it is the number in in soccer,
1: yeah. Right. I mean, that's who you
0: give your best right. your best attacker is. It's like a big deal to get the number ten jersey,
1: right? right? That's yeah. like a big thing, so. Yeah, um, and in America, it's like it's what Jim Zorn wears.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not that Jim Zorn wasn't cool, but Jim Zorn should have worn number seven.
1: He yeah, had he felt like a number 7 he You'd worn number seven. All right, <laughs> I'm gonna take with my second pick. I'm gonna take 100. Ooh, good one. Yeah, so it's for a couple obvious reasons. It's it represents like a perfect score. You know, if you got a, a 100 on a on a test in high school, it was like you did you did a perfect job. It's also the number that when you're a kid it's like it seems like the highest number. It seems like you count when you learn how to count, the end of counting is when you get to a hundred after that, it's like when you get to a hundred, it's like what I just start over a hundred and one that does that's ridiculous <laughs> and and uh, it's sort of just – it's like a – it's sort of a magic number in basketball. I always find it exciting in the NBA when a team crosses the 100-point threshold. Like, sure. Like, it just it's, – it's just a – it's a real sort of watershed or a benchmark in sports. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just – I've always loved it. I always thought it was, like, like, a super cool number.
0: It is a really cool number. And and you, and you got to mention Wilt's 100-point sure. game. Um, if Wilt scores 98 or if he scores 102 – it's just not nearly as cool. Yeah. And and obviously, either one is just a, pretty much the same achievement. Yeah. B- but 100 is, like, incredibly cool. 100 percent, yeah, that adds some coolness. 100 is very, very strong. Yeah. Yeah. it's And you know what?
1: The, the two numbers around it just got completely jilted. Just <laughs> to... <laughs> well, 99, I think, is great. 101 is nothing. 101 is garbage. <laughs> you think 99 is a great number? I think 99 is a great number. Yeah. Well,
0: it's Gretzky, I guess. So yeah, it's
1: Gretzky. It's also like, it's like, it's, I mean, it's part of the reason why Brooklyn Nine-Nine is called Brooklyn Nine-Nine is <laughs> that's the coolest two-digit number in, you know, I think Brooklyn Three-Seven isn't as <laughs> as Nine-Nine. So you're saying Nine-Nine is on your board. Oh, it's definitely saying. on my board.
0: All right. Well, I guess Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you pretty much have to have that on your board. Um, with my third pick, I am going to go, I don't feel that great about this pick, to be perfectly honest with you. But I'm going to go with it anyway because I just feel like we have to take it off the board. Uh, and that's number three. And uh, partly it being my third pick, I kind of felt like I had to. Sure. I don't think three is really that cool a number, to be honest with you. But there are cool elements about it. I think the the fact that things happen in threes, like that's a big thing. Yep. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. Huge fan of the things happening in threes. Um it's not really a cool sports number, except in NASCAR, where it's obviously Dale Earnhardt number, and that's the coolest number. And it's it's the only number people, like, would argue about in, in NASCAR. I mean, NASCAR doesn't spend a lot of time, I don't think, dealing with numbers. Right. Um, but they'll argue about number three and whether anybody else should ever drive a number three car, and I think that's kind of cool. And then, of course, it has all sorts of religious, you know, uh, elements and, and things like that. And... It tends to be, and I, I, I'm curious about your opinion about this. It tends to be the cadence of a joke. Yes. the joke tends to be one, two, three.
1: Am yes. I am I right about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a magic number in comedy to the point where like comedians are sick of talking about how it's a magic <laughs> number in comedy, but it really is. It's like in a in a, like a when you're doing a joke where you list things. It's like the first one is the establishes what the list is. The second kind of reinforces it, and then the third one is the twist. And it, the reason it's a magic number is because in order to get the sort of surprise of a joke is you need to establish what you're doing. And then you need to do another thing that's in line with that. So the people's brains are trained to be expecting something. And then the third one can be the joke. So it kind of like reverses field. And that's part of why three is a great number. It's because it's like two of something, it points you in a certain direction. And then the uh, th- uh, the third thing either reinforces that or takes it in a new direction it's like you know two points to determine a line and three to determine a plane not to make this too nerdy and mathematical but <laughs> the other but in association with that it's like in like in sports i think two of something can be a little bit of a fluke but if you 3 like true. if you if you win three times in a row that's like that's why you know phil jackson has three 3 three-peats and yeah. almost had a fourth which is crazy <laughs> and you know pat riley has like three peats are like that's there's no more debate anymore if you win I think people will, st- will st- are still debating whether Eli Manning is actually a good quarterback. Right, That's crazy. He's won two Super Bowls, but he's only won two Super Bowls, and those defenses were great, and they were a little bit lucky. But if he won a third Super Bowl, no one would ever argue again whether he's a good quarterback.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it is the only number that has the Pete at the end. You don't say four P
1: or yes. two Pete. So And by the uh, way, every time we've said the word three Pete, don't we have to send Pat Riley a check for like a thousand dollars or something? <laughs> he
0: he made so much money just off of Phil Jackson alone that it was really uh, you know, it's it's and it's really a good point about the about the um, the fact that you need to win three of anything in order to sort of ascend. To, like, if somebody wins two MVP awards, they might go in the Hall of Fame, they might not. I mean, it's like you could be Dale Murphy uh, and not get in the Hall of Fame. You know, it, it, it depends on on sort of circumstances and how good you were in the rest of your time. You win three, you're in. Yeah. You win three MVPs and nobody's going to keep you out unless you use steroids or something. But, I mean, nobody's going to keep you out. So I do think that that's a good point. I, the one I had not considered uh, is that there is a huge difference between two and three.
1: Yeah, huge. You very big. All right. Um, so. All right. My third pick. I'm. This is a stretch, and you're gonna. You're gonna think that I'm blowing it. <laughs> but my third pick, I'm taking the number thirteen. Oh, yeah. Just uh, a terrible decision. No, I'm doing it, and <laughs> here's why. I think you can make the argument that thirteen is the most powerful number in Western culture. <laughs> like it's such a powerful number that we literally don't build or like label the 13th floor of buildings as number 13 that's crazy <laughs> that is so crazy and it's like everyone knows that the 14th floor is the 13th story but people are still like yeah don't don't call it 13 i don't want you to call it 13. it's so nuts like the entire like think about it for a second how truly crazy that is that people are so scared of the number 13 <laughs> that we don't allow it to appear in our buildings that's so crazy And it's got that any number that has that level of like control over billions of people has to be a powerful and important number. It's like a
0: Voldemort number though, right? I mean, it's like, it's a number that should just be, you know, we we just, we don't want to forget
1: it even exists. But why? It's so nuts. I mean, there's a lot of goofy things about like superstitions and stuff, but to me, this is the goofiest. To me, the idea that no one is allowed to have a 13th floor in a building is, I don't know. It's just, it's completely nuts. It's, and and, uh, so because of that, I want to try to, I want to draft 13 (laughs) and keep it on my team and somehow figure out how to harness its power for good.
0: You know, I'm I'm glad you brought this up because I was in a hotel with my kids not that long ago and we're in the elevator and, you know, we, I I don't think it was the first time they had noticed uh, that there's a gap between 12 and 14, but it was the first time they actually had brought it up. And what do you say to your kids? Because they're like, well, why isn't there a 13th floor? And it's sort of like, well, because 13 is an unlucky number. It's the stupidest thing. <laughs> you're saying to your kids. Yeah. Your kids are like, Daddy, there's a monster in my bed. No, but we're not going on the 13th floor, obviously. I mean, it's like, that's different. That's kids' stuff. It is stupid. It's it's incredibly stupid. But... but why? Why do you think it has managed to maintain its power over us? I,
1: now, at this point, it's just habit. Now it's like no one is bold enough to like just say like this is dumb. We're just going to break thirteen. They're just they just. It's now just the way it's done, and it's and I can't imagine it ever changing. And can you ever imagine a day when people will just go like, well, that superstition is dumb. I'm calling it the 13th floor because the second someone doesn't want to stay on the thirteenth floor, or worse yet, they build a thirteenth floor in a building and then they're like, there's a fire. <laughs> or something and every it'll just reinforce it. at this point you're you we're pot committed the entire western culture is pot committed to never having a 13th floor on a building that's so loopy yeah i i want to build a hotel now with the 13th floor i mean i want to
0: <laughs> i want to fight this and you know something terrible would happen at that point so yeah yeah it's it's uh i can't argue with that logic that logic makes uh makes thirteen. By the way, how did you feel about A-Rod when he went with the number 13?
1: I was happy. When I played Little League, I wore the number 13. Really? Yes, intentionally. I was like, because I, I always thought it was stupid. So I wore number 13 just to like, because I thought it was funny that people were like, oh, don't wear that. It's uh. I was like, what are you talking about? What's going to happen to me? And I, I kind of now wish retroactively that I had been hit by lightning while standing at the plate or something. It would have been super cool. But I know I, I intentionally, and I was. It's like the to me, it's the only cool thing a Rod's ever done is just wear number thirteen. Wear number thirteen, like, lean into it.
0: I gotta respect that. I gotta respect that. All right, good pick at number three. All right, so with my fourth pick, um, I'm I'm looking over my board. I've got all my numbers are on the board, so it's it's really good.
1: <laughs> By board, um, you mean calculator? You've just got a calculator in front of me. <laughs>
0: it's it's wait, let me hit this button here. Oh, that's a number. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with number 32 and, and I don't feel that great about it. It's like, it's obvious from from a sports perspective, why, um, it doesn't really have that many cool elements to it. It is, it is on the, on the, uh, you know, the, the multiply by two scale, which I like the, you know, two, four, eight, 16, 32, that whole sure. thing. I know there's some phrase for it. Uh, it is where it is the number where water freezes, which I think is, is kind of cool. Um, but really, let's face it, I'm picking it because it's it's the best uniform number in American history. Uh, across the board, I think, if there's no question, you have, obviously, Jim Brown obviously wore it. Magic Johnson wore it. Sandy Koufax wore it. Um, Bill Walton wore it. I could go on and on. There's there's a million 32s. Uh, it's, uh, it's a fantastic sports number. It's not really that great like a life number. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on there. But... You know, there there are mathematical issues with it and, and things that, that go on there. But uh, I'm really going with for the sports thing.
1: It's interesting. I mean, I you know, as I started to like look around at numbers like 32, there's the, my problem was there's a lot of arguments to be made. 32 is obviously uh, way up there, but 33 is a pretty good sports number. 23 is a pretty good sports number. There's a lot of like you know, I almost I was like 45 was cool to me because Pedro wore it. Like there was. 42 is Jackie Robinson and Mariano. Like, I, to me, the problem with all those numbers, which I've generally avoided in this draft, is that uh, there's... it's It's shades of gray, you know? Like, 32 is very good, but there's a lot of other numbers that are like 32... That are like within five or ten percent of thirty-two. So I stayed away from all of them. I think it's a reach at number four. That's what I'm saying, because <laughs> I think the only thing going for it is that a lot of cool athletes wore it.
0: But a lot of cool, and more than twenty-three and thirty-three and forty-five. Those those numbers are are not that close in the number of extraordinary athletes who wore the number.
1: No, but like you said, all you have going for you with thirty-two is athletes. Well, and the and water so there's, freezing. There's nothing else besides. <laughs> athletes that makes 32 a good number
0: water freezing i'm gonna keep going back to water freezing yep. you know that's 32 use
1: fahrenheit i mean so i have zero that's celsius and 100 got... <laughs> you have water all taken care of I've if we were living water, in europe i've got water cornered in this <laughs> um all right i'm gonna go uh i'm we had definitely had different, different approaches to this because my fourth pick i'm going with pie <laughs> yeah well pie is on my board by oh the way. is it all right yes yeah. Um, the ratio of uh, the circumference to the diameter of any circle that you draw, however That's, big... Is believe it's the, I believe it's the radius. Uh, I think it's the circumference of diameter. Am I crazy? Maybe <laughs> I'm crazy. But the point is, the, the, it's, a, it's the same number, and it's a number that goes on forever and never ends. That's super cool. Yeah. And calculate it to billions or trillions of, of decimal places, as has scientists and mathematicians <laughs> have done... And it never ends. I read an article about ca- trying to calculate pi a few years ago, and at some point, after like seventeen billion digits, there was a point where there were like 11 eights in a row, and the people the people who were looking at it were like, "Here we go, we found it!" And then it just went three six seven four two eight seven six five. And so, any number that you literally can't that never ends, and and there's something so so like mystical and beautiful about that to me. Uh, is just a super cool number and it's the worst uniform number probably that could exist you couldn't any athlete who tried to wear pie that would be tough that would be tough for them
0: that would not be tough you put the pie symbol on there that would be fantastic <laughs> that would be so awesome if somebody would do that um <clears throat> pie is incredibly cool and I believe I'm not if, I, if I'm not mistaken I believe that the radius squared times pi is is the is the circle. Um, I believe and I say that just because my daughter is in sixth grade and she's studying pi right now. And the thing that's so cool about pi in addition to all the points you were making is when you first learn about it when it, it it's completely baffling. It's just like this it's like what is this thing like like it's a number that there's you. It never ends, and you can't teach me how to use it, but I have to know it. I have to at least know it out to two decimal points so I can do these formulas that makes no sense. Like, why does this exist? How did this happen? Um, it is It is an incredibly cool number. Yeah. All right. I, I, I can see pi. I can, I can definitely see that as a good pick. All right. So for my fifth pick, um, I'm going completely off the board, just completely off the board. I, I'm not even – the rest of my numbers are all – I have reasons. I have all sorts of ideas. <clears throat> I'm going with number 22. It's my fifth pick because I like it. It's a good number. Um, <laughs> it's I just like 22. Um, and there is some cool. There are some cool things about 22. 22, and this is my favorite thing about 22. Uh, 22 is the number that um, that Rick in Casablanca tells her to bet on in order to get out of Casablanca. The woman that's uh, Trying to get her and her uh, husband out, um, and she's willing to sleep with the with the police officer. And he tells her, "No, no." Well, he doesn't tell her. He just says, "Have you tried number twenty two on the roulette wheel?" She bets on it. She wins, and and so on and so forth. And and so twenty two is an incredibly cool number. And then <clears throat> it is later used, as you can tell, I've studied the history of twenty two. Yeah, it is later used in Lost in America. That is the number that. That uh, Albert Brooks's uh, wife loses all their fortune on is number twenty two, uh, and I'm convinced because of Casablanca. So, very cool number uh, along all those lines. Of course, Catch twenty two, which is uh, which is absolutely fantastic. Not only as a book, it's one of the greatest books uh, ever written, uh, but as a concept, the concept of the Catch twenty two, yeah. very 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 good. And you know, I, I wanted pie. You 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 stole pie from me with my fifth pick. But 22 has its relation in pi. You can use 22 over 7 as a uh, reasonable Approxima, uh, sure. approximation of pi. Yeah. So so 22, I feel, is just an incredibly cool and dramatically underrated number.
1: Yeah, no, I see that. I think it's a stretch at number 5, <laughs> if only because it's basically the same thing as any of 100 million other numbers. <laughs> None
0: of those other numbers were used in Casablanca. <laughs>
1: Okay. And none of them are Catch Twenty Two. It's not Catch Eighty Eight. No, that's true. But uh, you know, it wasn't originally. It was Catch Eighteen. The original I, title of the book was Catch Eighteen, I believe. I remember reading that, and then he changed it because he thought Catch Twenty Two sounded better. He was right. <laughs> <laughs> catch Eighteen. I wouldn't even. That wouldn't even make sense. Um, well, for my fifth pick, I'm taking Ninety Nine. Okay. Uh, I mentioned before uh, a couple reasons. If you know, Gretzky is the obvious one. I also kind of loved Mark Gastineau when I was a kid, even though I was a Patriots <laughs> fan. I thought it was super. I thought he was like a crazy fun player. It, and basically, like it's the highest uniform number you can wear, unless you do something bizarre and try to petition the league to wear a three-digit number. Um, but also because it's made up of two nines, and nine is itself a cool number. Nine is Ted Williams, and it's like a, just a cool-looking number. And um, and to put two of them together, and it's it. There's something nice about it representing like the last. Like if you, like I said before, you get 100, that's a perfect score. But if you get a 99, that's almost cooler. Because it's like a, there's one there was one tiny thing that you missed, but you still did an awesome job. <laughs> so 99 just for, for generally for like coolness, I'm saying I'm taking 99 as my final pick.
0: Okay, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you up front, you just blew your entire draft. Because that's... Mark Gastino that's the reason you took 99
1: no, that's all no, that's all it was a very a very tertiary reason <laughs> a very tertiary reason
0: 99 is a terrible number that's that's i everything that you just said are exact reasons why you shouldn't like 99 well, i mean other other I, than Gastino the fact you didn't get 100 on your test you should have you got i mean you got a 99 that's good you could have gotten 100
1: well, I'll tell you, you think I blew the draft. I'm totaling up the numbers that we chose right now. <laughs> You're at 65. I'm at and, 212 plus pi. So I won. That's It's, it's black and white. I won. <laughs> With my sixth pick, I
0: want to take a million billion.
1: <laughs> too late. Too, too late. late. Blew it. My numbers are of total. Hierarchy. All right, what numbers did you leave on the board? I left a billion on the board because I love a yeah, billion million. is very good. A billion is great, and it's really fun to read about the difference between a million and a billion. Like, a, a billion is so much more than a million, it's crazy. <laughs> um, I left 10 on the board. I did have a feeling of, of like, you know, 10 is obviously – there's a lot of just very basic reasons to choose 10. But then I started to feel like 10 was an underdog because when I – when I, I was like, well, who are the athletes who wore 10? And the answer is, like – Guy Lafleur, it's like it's weird, and Walt Frazier wore ten, but there's no like it. It seems like more great quarterbacks, at least, should have worn number ten than have yeah. worn it. So it's weirdly like a, it's like a dark horse. Um, and then I left just nine on the board, and I went with ninety nine because it was two nines. But how about you?
0: uh 21 i left 21 on the board that tw- I, i'm really actually kind of surprised 21 didn't get
1: drafted uh, a blackjack and
0: blackjack uh 21 gun salute the whole uh, voting age drinking age all that sort of thing i kind of thought 21 was gonna was gonna get taken uh, i left 67 off the board just because uh it's the year I was born and uh and uh I, that's it summer of love and and a couple of other small things. Um, but I think generally speaking, the only one that I think that I'm kind of surprised that wasn't taken was 21. Yeah. But
1: Cut. I think, Roger, I think, Clemens, Clemens kind of ruined it for me.
0: <laughs> well, I can see that. I mean, that maybe that's a good reason to leave it off. I, I think honestly, our best draft ever. I, I don't think there's any question about it.
1: Well, I think it's culturally, I think it's probably the most significant one we've ever done.
0: <laughs> it's the most important. That's yeah. all. That's And that's all we're really trying to do. So. We end another podcast. Michael, I cannot thank you enough. My and uh,
1: Thank you, as always. Let's hope we do this again soon. Absolutely.